minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. How extraordinary is the anarchist world this week? Yes, that little hour of your life where you listen, I rant, you rave, and then together we change the world. Well, sounds good, doesn't it? This is the anarchist world this week, broadcast via the Community Radio Network. My name's Jeff Stoskar, I'm hosting today's program. If you wonder what anarchy's all about, the word anarchy is derived from the Greek anarchos, which means without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You devolve power and create institutional structures which uh, allow that power to be devolved, and direct democracy is one good way of doing that, and you redistribute wealth, or more importantly, you hold wealth in common. Wealth becomes a collective uh, responsibility. So think about it. Now, if you've got a better idea of how to create a society without rulers, let me know. And I don't want any jokes about building more guillotines, all right? Serious, serious. Now, we do have a serious program. Um, we've got a lot of things we wish to talk about. The whole con- idea of the anarchist world this week is not just to uh, give analysis but to encourage people to become organised and to become active because the price of freedom, as you all know, is eternal vigilance and around the world we are seeing what can happen when people take their eye off what's actually happening and allow those who exercise power to continue to exercise power on their behalf. Now, the first issue... I'd like to raise is the issue of the uh, Murchison little jaunt, which uh, we'll be doing this, well, on the weekend of the um, Sunday, the 13th of November. As I said last week, Francesco Fantine was an anarchist who was murdered at Camp Love Day in 1942. He was actually uh, interned. He was an anarchist, an anti-fascist an atheist, an anarchist, an anti-militarist, and has been turned during World War II with uh, uh, hundreds of uh, fascist sympathisers and fascists at Camp Love Day in South Australia, and obviously, uh, you know, it didn't last very, didn't last very long, and he was murdered a few months after he was interned. Now we f- believe that his, uh, you know, his body has been lost, but a few years ago we found that it, uh, his body and the body of all Italian um, prisoners of war and internees 
who died in camps around Australia during the Second World War, there was about 250 of them, were disinterned and brought across to a common grave or a grave site, an ossuary actually, in Murchison in Victoria. Murchison's not far from uh, Shepparton and if you're wondering where Shepparton is, it's about 150, 160 kilometres from uh, Melbourne. So for the last four years we have been going there on the Sunday closest to Armistice Day, which is, as you know, the 11th of November, to pay our respects uh, to Francesco Fantine. And why that day? Well, that day is the only day when the ossuary is open. This actual ossuary is actually an Italian war memorial, and obviously we are there with uh, relatives and friends of uh, many of the people who died who are... make the journey from all over Australia. Obviously, most of them were not anarchists. I think Francesco Fantin would be the only anarchist interned there. And uh, it's a respectful day. We get there at about 10 o'clock and we get there early so we can actually go into the ossuary and uh, uh, go up to uh, Francesco's um, site, pay our respects, and then we hang around for about... uh, an hour and a half while our Italian mass is conducted and the Italian consul, you know, uh, does his bit. Because in many ways, this is uh, Armistice Day, is a little bit like uh, Italy's um, our Anzac Day. And at the end of their ceremony, we conduct a small ceremony ourselves, honouring Francesco Fantin. And after that, in the spirit of solidarity of the day, everybody goes up to the uh, river and has a picnic for a few hours. So if you're coming... Uh, we'd love to see you there. It is a day thing. Uh, it takes all day. If you want further information, you can go to the my uh, Facebook page, Toscano for the Public, or you can actually go to our website for Francesco Fantine, which is q7461fantine.org. q7461fantine.org. Uh, we'll be there at about 10am. We usually uh, finish by about 3, 4pm in the afternoon. Uh, unfortunately, people need to make their own way. Uh, if you get there, you may be able to get a, uh, a trip back home. Uh, it's very difficult to get there. The railway station is a you know, number of kilometres away. But uh, if you can get to Murchison on uh, this Sunday, the 13th, you're more than welcome to join us. And then after the ceremony to join us on the riverbank for a uh, picnic. Now... The thing is, why bother? Why bother? Well, it's very simple. It is important that we remember people who during their lives fought for ideas that we still, you know, support today. And we especially remember those people who paid the ultimate price for their ideas. And Francesco Fantin was murdered at Camp Love Day in 1942 because he was an anarchist, because he was an atheist, because he was an anti-fascist and because he was an anti-militarist. And he had been involved in anti-fascist activity for the previous 18 years. He came to Australia in 1924 as a refugee. That's right, the big R, a refugee from Mussolini's Italy, from fascism in Italy. And for him to die in such circumstances, not just a tragedy, but it is a, it, it's important that we 
remember that history so we don't repeat that history because, you know, it was the old story. All Italians, you know, they all look alike. They all need to be interned. And obviously people don't realise there are huge differences because you're a particular nationality, you speak a particular language as we see in Australia, huge differences in ideas that are promoted. Now those of you who are wondering when I'm going to make any pronouncements about the United States election, it's not my responsibility. It's a responsibility of the people of the US of A. We'll see in the next few days what happens. But I think what's important to remember is this is part of a growing phenomenon across Western democracies and in many other non-parliamentary democratic countries. For the last 40 years, for the last 40 years, we have seen a tsunami, not just sweep over Australia, but sweep across the world. And that tsunami is based on four principles. And these principles are good for a, for a small section of society, but have left many people wounded in their wake. And this is the tsunami of privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation and deregulation. Fancy words. But let's look what these fancy words are all about. Let's look at what political life has been like across the globe over the last 40 years. And governments that call themselves communist or socialist or democratic or Tory or ALP have all been promoting the same corporate-based agenda. And when you see millions of people voting for Mr Trump, you begin to understand the degree of disillusionment which has seeped into the population. Not just disillusionment, but disgust with the current political processes where people are promised everything before an election and nothing seems to change. Eight years of Obama, I think, highlight how difficult it is to actually dislodge that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. So what are these fancy words we keep spouting? What is deregulation? Deregulation is very simple. For decades... Workers and people, you know, who are marginalised have fought to force the state to pass legislation to protect them, their interests and their families' interests. That's what regulation is about. It was a way to tame the corporate monster. It was a way that people were protected because in Australia... There is no arbitrary protection of the individual from there's no protection of the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state power. So we had all these workplace regulations, all these regulations which were there to protect the individual from corporate greed. And what we've seen over the past forty years is the removal of these regula regulations, not just in terms of protection for the individual, protection for the environment, protection for society, to allow the corporate sector or corporations whose major responsibility is to their major shareholders, and I'm sorry, I've got to repeat this again, 
to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. So what we see is these regulations being removed, which then free up the corporate sector, must be Christmas, free up the corporate sector to do what they like. That's the problem. That's the problem we face on a daily basis. A huge problem. So, that's one thing. What's globalisation? Well, globalisation is very simple. It's when sovereign states give up their economic sovereignty, give up the power to regulate their economy to unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders. So across the globe, we have been able to see international capital and corporations break down national economic boundaries and basically do what they like. Don't pay tax. Dominate political systems. Sabotage working people uh, working collectively through their unions or work associations, and the list goes on and on. That's what globalisation is about. It's about removing any inhibitions to so-called global trade. So at the end of the day, it's about destroying not just the rights, but the conditions that workers have won through generations of struggle in order to maximise corporate profits. That's what globalisation is about. And globalisation has had a profound impact on the West, a profound impact because people who believed that they were protected from the excesses of corporations find that they are now the victims of corporations. Then you've got corporatisation. What's corporatisation? Corporatisation is the ultimate end of a system based on competition where there is no government regulation that actually regulates corporations getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger so that they dominate not only the marketplace but dominate the political agenda, they dominate the social agenda, they dominate the cultural agenda. So when Trump's supporters jump up and down and talk about elites, they are, in certain situations, not all the time, but in certain situations, you know, pointing to a fact. And then you have privatisation, and that's the last thing. Privatisation is basically selling at bargain basement prices or in the case of public housing in Victoria, giving away titles, giving away assets which have been built up through the blood, sweat and tears of generations of Australians to provide essential services and basic infrastructure, give it away to the private sector. And we've seen what happens when you destroy a mixed economy. What's a mixed economy? A mixed economy is when you have structures and institutions which are owned by the government of the day, both at the state and federal level, 
and structures and institutions which are owned by the private sector. So they're constantly competing because if an if a institution is owned by the public of the day, then they can put some pressure on governments to ensure the corporate sector doesn't get out of control. And we've seen with the privatisation of the Commonwealth Bank, we've seen with the privatisation of Telstra, we've seen with the privatisation of the ports, the airports, essential services, you know, uh, social security, uh, and the list goes on and on. We see what actually happens. What actually happens is there is no break on the private sector. Look at the rorts that occurred with the privatisation of vocational training. Look at the rorts that are occurring with the privatisation of, t- of tertiary education, and the list goes on and on. So what we've seen is this understanding, this basic understanding by people that they can't get ahead. They're not even treading water. They're falling behind. And while that is happening, we are seeing the creation of two new groups. Two new groups. One is the corporate sector, the billionaire, the oligarch, the person or the organisation which has so much wealth at their disposal that they can actually determine legislative outcomes for a variety of ways. That's one thing. So you've got this, you know, these people who've got so much power and wealth they can actually determine the legislative outcome. For example, look at housing, and I'll go into that very closely in a few minutes, but look at housing. Look at housing. Look at the way prices have exploded. Look at the way rents have increased. Because we've seen the development of, one, the increasing of the power of that small section of society that owns the means of the production, distribution, exchange, communication. 40 years ago, for every dollar that was invested, 66 cents went back to the people doing the work to create that profit, and one-third, or about 33 cents, went to the person who provided the capital. Today, 40 years later, it's the exact reverse. 66% goes into the pockets of those who provide the capital and 33% goes into the pockets of those who do the work that creates the profit. So it's topsy-turvy. So you've got that class, the corporate class, the one percenters, who now have huge impact on social policy, cultural policy, political policy, the legislative agenda legislation which is passed and then and then you have the emergence of a new class the investment class and this investment class cuts across traditional class lines it cuts across blue collar professional white collar you know it cuts across traditional class lines People who are in the investment classes, and there are about 15% of Australians who are part of the investment class, about one in seven, they are people who have disposable income who can then use that. And then what disposable income is a fancy word for saying once they've paid their bills, they've got all this extra cash there. And then they can, use it, they can actually use that cash 
to invest, whether it's the stock market, the property market, etc., etc., because there are so many tax-friendly laws for the investor that they can actually increase their income and dramatically legally decrease the taxes they pay. So this investment class, you could have a very you know, skilled tradesperson being part of the investment class. You could have a bulk billing doctor who isn't part of the investment class. So you change the way we actually look at people. And what's happened with this investment class, which has risen and risen and risen, which, is, which has actually been able to not create but acquire most of, most of the profit that's been done, is that because they don't pay taxation and because the corporate sector pays almost voluntary taxation, there is never enough resources to look after the needs of the 33% of Australians who rely on social security benefits to survive or the working poor. What an extraordinary statement, the working poor. People who work their butts off but don't make enough money to actually meet their day-to-day living expenses. And the 67 cents in the dollar of tax which is raised from pay-as-you-earn taxpayers. So you can see the situation is becoming more and more difficult. But the dilemma is most people don't join the dots. Or if they join the dots, they throw up their hands in horror and say, What's the point? You can't fight City Hall. You can't fight the elites. You can't fight the corporate world. Well, you can. And the history, history of humanity has been a history of fighting back. Not just fighting back, but a history of winning. A history of winning those fights. So let's move on to the latest innovation. Now, we formed a number of us, a handful of us, formed public interest before corporate interests in April last year. And the whole purpose of public interest before corporate interests was, was to create a climate where people believe they could actually achieve change. And public interest before corporate interests uses both electoral politics and direct action to promote the idea that the interests of the population of the whole should be always be put before the interests of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs. That's what it was about. And we're involved in a, on a number of struggles now. A number of weeks ago, about four weeks ago, we were approached by people from the public housing sector to assist them to create a campaign to force the Andrews-led Victorian state government, because it is a, you know, this, this particular campaign's been initiated in Victoria, to change its policies on the privatisation of public housing. And we've now formed a group called Defend and Extend Public Housing. And that group has been formed by public interest before corporate interest to facilitate all those people who are involved in that campaign to come together and work collectively to promote the idea of public housing. 
Now, this is not just a sectional campaign. This is a campaign that crosses all divisions in society because public housing is the last break on the escalation of rents and housing prices in this country. And in Victoria, unlike in Queensland when the Labor government was elected, they tore up any private contracts to privatise public housing. In Victoria, we have seen the privatisation of public housing go on and on and on to such an extent that we believe, we're quite certain, the Andrews-led Labor government will be announcing in the next few weeks the privatisation of 70% of public housing stock in this, in this state. Now, why should this be of concern to people who are renting or trying to get into the property market or who are paying off a mortgage or even own their own home? Why should it be a concern? It should be a concern because if you privatise the public housing sector and they're not going to sell it, they're going to give away the titles and the key word is the transfer of titles. Transfer of titles to public, you know, private organisations. That's the key word they're using, the transfer of titles. So if you transfer the title to a privately owned organisation, irrespective of whether that organisation is not for profit, or, you know, wants to make a profit, what actually happens is the security which is enjoyed by public housing tenants goes out the window. And just as importantly, any downward pressure which is based on rental prices drops. If you don't have a private, if you don't have a public housing sector, what you will see is a wholesale increase in rental prices, especially at the lower end of the market. And what you will see is the further exclusion of first-home buyers from the market. Six years ago, 10% of parents were assisting their children to get a deposit together to get into the housing market. Today, 44% of new home buyers need their parents' support in order to get a foot in the door. So if you have a strong public housing sector, which not just only looks after emergency accommodation, but actually provides an alternative mechanism by which people can have a a roof over their heads, you put downward pressure on rents, especially at the lower end of the market. So that people don't have to pay 60 or 70% of their you know, social security benefits in order to get a you know, one-bedroom you know, roof over their head or, or a room in a rooming house. That's the reality. A strong public housing sector, decreased rents, investors forced out of the lower end of the housing market, which allows first-home buyers the opportunity to enter the market. So this campaign, Defend and Extend Public Housing, is a campaign which has an impact on everybody. And that's what we need to remember. It is, has a positive impact, positive outcomes for, 90, for 85 to 90% of the Australian population. 
because what's happening in Victoria is happening in New South Wales. The only difference is they call themselves a Liberal National Party in Victoria government and in New, in New South Wales and in Victoria they call themselves a Labor government. So this campaign was launched on the 20th of October and on the 10th of November we have our second rally on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House. Now this time round, we have directed this campaign specifically to all the members of the Legislative Assembly and the Legislative Council. In Victoria, there are 88 members of the Legislative Council which represent the people of Victoria, sorry, Legislative Assembly, and 40 members of the Legislative uh, Council. And we, we have directed an email to every single member asking them to respond to our invitation to address the rally. Now, the member for Melbourne, Ellen Sandell, will be addressing the rally at 12.15 because the 10th of November is a parliamentary sitting day. She addressed the rally last time on the 10th, 20th of October. And interestingly, the Victorian Greens have a policy of opposing the privatisation of public housing, unlike the ALP, or obviously the Liberal National Party, which attempted to privatise public housing or transfer titles. Pleasant thing, you transfer the title. Like somebody knocks you on the door and says, Hey, hey, Max, Julie. You like a house? Here's the title. Could you imagine that? That's what's going to happen. Unbelievable. Now, let's uh, let's look at the response. Remember, this was a hundred oh, was it a hundred twenty two members of Parliament. Dear Joseph, thanks for your email. It's my understanding that Ellen Sandell, MLA, will be representing the Greens at this event. I will have will, however, try to get there but it'll depend on whether I have other duties in the Legislative Council. Best regards, Samantha, Samantha Dunn, Member of the Legislative Council for the Eastern Metropolitan Region. Dear Dr Toscani, thank you for your email. Uh, I have forwarded your email to the Shadow Minister for Housing who are responding, is responding on behalf of Victorian Liberal Nationals. Once again, thanks for contacting me. Michael Gidley, State Member of Parliament, Mount Waverley Electoral District. Afternoon. Thank you for your email and invitation to attend the above rally. Unfortunately, due to prior commitments to that for that timing, Peter Walsh will be unable to attend. Member for Murray Plains, Leader of the Nationals, Shadow Minister for Agriculture, Shadow Minister for Water. Dear Dr Toscano, Thank you for the invitation to speak with you at Parliament House on Thursday the 10th of November regarding public housing. As I have a number of commitments that day, and it is a sitting day, I cannot commit to attending, but I will endeavour to drop by during the times you have indicated. Yours sincerely, Colin Brooks, MP, State Member for Bandura, Parliamentary Secretary to the Premier. Dear Dr Toscano, many thanks for for your email. I will endeavour to get out onto the front steps of Parliament at some stage next Thursday. 
but will respectfully decline your offer to speak as the time of the rally commences during question time and in my shadow ministerial role, I'm required in the chamber for certain periods each day. As I am sure you'll understand, parliamentary sitting weeks are very busy with a large number of commitments needing to be met and this makes attending events during the sitting week problematic. All parliamentary parliamentarians understand the challenges in relation to housing and you will note it again received increased funding in this year's budget. It is all worth noting that the public housing waiting list has dropped from over 41,000 in 2010 to just over 32,000. There remains much more to do, of course, but one positive is that where other states have escalating waiting lists, Victoria is, while still far too high, reducing. Being under just halfway through this term of government and still over two years away from the election, the Coalition is yet to release its major policies in any portfolio and many ideas currently under consideration. On a matter raised in your first email some weeks ago relating to 70% of the public housing stock being privatised, I have raised this with the Minister personally and he has assured me that he, this is not the case. Unfortunately, he hasn't assured us or the media. Kind regards, Tim Bull, MLA, member for Gippsland East. you think this bloke was working for the ALP. He's actually a national. Dear Joseph, Thank you for inviting the Attorney-General to speak at the Defend and Extend Public Housing Rally on Thursday the 10th of November. Regretfully, regretfully, the Minister unable to attend and extends his apologies. Also, I'd like to let you know that we never received your previous email. All incoming correspondence is registered, considered and responded to accordingly. And then, hi, thanks for your email. I'm a strong supporter of both public and social housing. I was wondering if you might be able to advise me. Do you support community housing providers like Yarra and Fort Pillar? Do you support having standalone public housing dwellings dispersed throughout the community? What do you think about having mixed developments where public housing tenants live interspersed with social housing and private housing tenants? What is your view on the benefits of the broad acre public housing estates such as Flemington and Ascot Vale in my electorate? Do you have a preferred model for the provision of public housing? Do you think we should be looking at more dense housing developments near major transport and employment nodes? I look forward to hearing back from you. Regards, Danny Pearson. Well, we've entered a little bit of discussion. I said to Danny, look, we're about defending and extending public housing. That's what we're about, defending and extending public housing. It's really up to you. It's really up to you. You know, we don't have a policy regarding... Community housing, social housing. What we want to see is the retention of all public housing and the extension of public housing. What particular model is followed is a matter for debate. And this is the issue. This is the interesting thing. Because if you look at what's been happening at Bendigo Street in Collingwood, you can see how the divide and rule strategy of the government is coming to the fore. And this is what happens in these campaigns. What they try to do is they try to divide and rule us because a house divided is a house that's not going to get anywhere, is it? For example, you've got people who are homeless. You've got people who are squatters. You've got people who are on the public housing waiting list. You've got people who are in public housing. You've got people who are renting. You've got first-home buyers. You've got people paying off mortgages. You've got people who, you know, and the list goes on and on. The thing is, 
our positions are not mutually exclusive. We are not natural enemies. And it really pains me to see people on the public housing list, you know, complaining about the homeless, you know, trying to get on the public housing list. And people who are renting complaining about the homeless or people in public housing. And the list goes on and on. What we need to remember is we are all in the same boat. On the top level, in the captain's quarters, is the one percenters, the corporate leaners. On the deck, enjoying themselves, is the investment class, who obviously don't want a strong public housing sector. And then the rest of us are in steerage, pulling the oars, keeping the good ship Australia afloat. Now, there is one thing missing regarding this rally, if you're in Victoria, on the steps of Parliament House on Thursday the 10th of November from 11.30 to 1.30. We have a bevy of speakers and we'll have more speakers on the day. We'll even have an open microphone. We've got Ellen Sandell, the MP, State Member for Melbourne. We have Fiona Ross from Friends of Public Housing Victoria. We have the re-elected councillor Sue Bolton from the Moreland City Council. You've got yours truly, the uh, co-convener of uh, Defend and Extend Public Housing Australia. You've also got John Twegg, the other uh, co-convener of Defend and Extend Public Housing Australia. We've got Robbie Forpe coming along. Howard, uh, a long-time Indigenous activist and uh, a great friend of public housing. Howard Morosi from Friends of Public Housing Victoria and Mark Taylor from Experts by Experience. Now, obviously, not everybody we invite is turning up, but... Many will be turning up, but we need you. In order to be credible, because this campaign has been, has been, will be fought on many fronts, it will continue to the next state election. It will continue until the Minister for Housing, Mr Martin Foley, gets up and says the Andrews-led Labor government has no intention to privatise or transfer the title of one public housing unit in this state and we will make it a priority not just to remove railway crossings and privatise the port you know and extend the the rail network and the tram network but we will make it a priority to ensure that all Victorians are housed in this state and we will be allocating extra resources to public housing not social housing not community housing not affordable housing, not privately owned housing, but public housing. I'll give you an example of the way things are going. Now, those of you who've been around a while, and I've been around a long time, and fortunately I'm still here. Some people not like to see me here, but I'm still here, and I intend to live to 103, maybe 104. Well, that's just what I intend to do. Whether it happens or not, obviously, is a different matter. But Ashburton is a suburb in Melbourne. It's getting a little bit gentrified these days and they knocked down some 60 public housing uh, residents there were two walk up two stories which needed to be knocked down and they were empty for a number of years and finally we have a plan on that public housing site will be built 255 units you think hallelujah brothers and sisters hallelujah another 255 public housing units no sorry sorry there will be 195 privately owned units, which will be in a six-storey block. And across the road, on the same block, 
will be a three-storey, 60-unit public housing block. They didn't even have the decency of interspersing the public housing units with the private, privately owned units. 190 private, 60 public, across the road, you know, looking at the six-storey block. Come on. Same in Preston. Empty public, uh, empty public land, five years, where public housing stock had been demolished. Private residence, 65 units, public. Who knows how many privately owned? And the list goes on and on. I mean, this government has forgotten. It has forgotten its responsibility to the people of Victoria. And obviously, the same story is being replicated across the country, especially in New South Wales, where the Liberal National Government is tearing down public housing units and not reallocating people in the same community they lived in for decades. And that's the key. It's not just the 25% of your income that goes in rent, which is important, but the fact that you've got security, that you can put down your roots, that you can actually you know, interact with the local community around you. You can send your kids to the local school. Now, we need your help. One, we need you at the rally. We need you at the rally. So if you're living in Melbourne and you've got nothing to do, we want you at this rally. 11.30 to 1.30, Thursday the 10th of November, on the steps of Parliament House, Spring Street in Melbourne. We need you. Because for us to have credibility, for Defend and Extend Public Housing to have credibility, we need to be able to mobilise people to come to these rallies. And if you think that it makes no difference, think again. We are gaining traction in this particular struggle. Because the ALP is about to commit, the Parliamentary Labor Party in Victoria will commit political suicide if they go down this path of transferring the title slash privatising public housing in this state. They will go down the gurgler. They will lose six inner city seats, which they're hanging on to by the skin of their teeth because the Greens have made it quite clear they oppose the privatisation of public housing. They want to see the extension of public housing. Alan Sandell is doing the running on this and she will tell you tomorrow. That is their policy. Now, if the ALP wants to lose the next state election to the Liberal National Party, well, then they go down this path. Now, in order to alert people in the ALP, influential figures in the ALP, not just the Parliamentary Labor Party, to what is actually happening, the Victorian Labor Party is holding its state conference on Saturday and Sunday. That's the 12th and 13th of November. You like that? Defend and extend public housing. If you can't make it to the rally, we'd like to see people there at 8am on Saturday the 12th of November outside the conference site. And where's the conference? The conference is at the Mooney Valley Racecourse, which is at the Burston Stand, McPherson Street in Mooney Ponds. And if you've got to catch public transport... It's about a kilometre away from the Mooney Pond Station, about a 15-minute walk. Now, on Saturday at 8am, on Saturday the 12th of November, currently we have a number of people there, will be there, 
to hand out two leaflets, two different leaflets taking two different approaches to the same problem of public housing. And people that will be there that you can rely on will be there and you can introduce yourself to them are Fiona, Howard and Beryl. Fiona, Howard and Beryl. They'll be there at 8am on Saturday the 12th of November. And they will be out handing out delegates, leaflets to the Victorian ALP delegates, highlighting to them what policies the Victorian Parliamentary Party will pursue. Currently, the Victorian Parliamentary Party has not released its public housing policy and its housing policy because there is dissension within the Parliamentary Party about transferring tens of thousands of public titles into the hands of privately run organisations. There is dissension. So the Victorian State Conference, this is a great opportunity to interact with the delegates and highlight your concern. So we need people on two days. We need people to come to the rally. And if you come to the rally, you can learn what this is all about, listen to the speakers. And just as importantly, we need people to hand out this leaflet at the Victorian State Conference, these leaflets at the Victorian State Conference, at 8am on Saturday the 12th of November outside the conference site at the Mooney Valley Racecourse. Now, if you want to get further information, you can go to the Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing Victoria. It's all up there. What's in the leaflets, where the state conference is, all the information about the rally, all the information about the speakers. It's all there. And if you ain't got Facebook, don't despair. You can just turn up. Steps of Parliament House, 11.30 to 1.30, November the, the 10th. That's Thursday. That's Victorian State Parliament. Or Saturday, come down to the Victorian State Conference, hand out these leaflets. We're going to get there early. The conference starts at 10, but obviously delegates come in much earlier for a chat and a cup of coffee. Now, we congratulate these people for being delegates, but it's important the delegates understand what the Parliamentary Labor Party wants to do and put a break on this activity, because this is a struggle we can ill afford to lose. Because if public housing is privatised, it has ramifications for everybody. It has ramifications for people who are renting, especially at the lower end of the market. It has ramifications for people who are trying you know, to buy their first home. It has ramifications for the state. Because what it will mean is that the private housing sector then has a monopoly a monopoly on the provision of housing. So we do need your help, all right? I admit it. This campaign will go nowhere, nowhere, without your practical support. With your practical support, both on the 10th of November, coming to the rally, 11.30 to 1.30, steps of Parliament House, listen to the speakers, open microphones, speak if you want to speak on the issue, or, if you can't make it to the rally and you've got Saturday morning three, or, you know, it'll be there for five or six hours, eight o'clock, Mooney Valley Race Court, Burston Stand, McPherson Street, Mooney Ponds, a kilometre walk from the Mooney Ponds Railway Station. And obviously there are buses and trams which are uh, there at the top end of Puckle Street. You can get off there. So, join us. Join us. This is a campaign that affects everybody who's not part of the investment class or part of the corporate class. This 
affects a significant number of not just Victorians but people around the country because the same battle is being waged in every state or has been waged in every state. It's quite extraordinary that in Queensland the new Labor government was elected on a ticket of not selling public assets from a telephone box minority to a majority government. That's what it was elected on. And the first thing they did was to tear up the contracts which the previous government had entered into of the private sector. In Victoria, you know, the privatisation capital of the uh, universe, the Andrews-led Labor government is falling over itself in a rush to transfer public titles. Fancy words for saying privatise, give over the title to private organisations, which means they can actually use those titles to borrow money, bring in developers, create more private housing. Extraordinary, quite extraordinary. We can win this campaign and we will win this campaign with your assistance. And if you can't make to any of these events, come and join us on the 8th of December, Steps of Parliament House. And if you can't make any of things, join public interest before corporate interest. Hopefully we can register this group as a political party in the next 6 to 12 months. Join public interest before corporate interest. Download the application form, pibci.net, P-I-B-C-I.net. Download the application form. Go to the website, public interest before corporate interest. Go to the Facebook page, public interest before corporate interest Facebook page. And if you want to learn more about all these things, all the campaigns I'm personally involved in, and there are many, the West Papua Rent Collective, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion Celebrations, which I'll speak about next week, the trip down to Murchison to pay our respects to Francesco Fantine, and the list goes on and on and on and on. Go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-O, for the public, for the public. Okay, let's move on. This is the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia and the Community Radio Network. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You want to join public interest before corporate interest? Download the application form from pipci, P-I-B-C-I, dot net. Want to get involved in the in the Defend and Extend Public Housing campaign? Come to the rally, 11.30 to 1.30 tomorrow. Listen to the uh, bevy of guest speakers. Get involved. Can't make to the rally? Go to the ALP State Conference. Hand out the leaflets, which uh, Defend and Extend Public Housing will be handing out. Want to look? see what's on the leaflet, go to the Facebook page, Defend and Extend Public Housing Victoria. It's all there, all there. This is your chance to change the way things are happening in the world. It's it's up to you. As I keep saying to people, you can listen to this program every week and you'll notice that we go from issue to issue to issue to issue to issue. I mean, we're nothing without your support. For example, I ask people for $1 stamps to help our correspondents. Please keep sending $1 stamps. We need plenty of them. We need plenty of them. Not everybody's on the net. Not everybody's on the net. 
We need plenty of these $1 stamps. Send them to Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Interested in the West Papua Independence struggle? Join the Rent Collective. Want an app? Want a form? Go to the uh, website. Toscano for the public should be there. Not there? Give me a call. 0439 395 489. Want to learn more about anarchism and the events we're involved in? Go to anarchistage at yahoo.com. The end of the year may be coming, but we're uh, burning every candle in the church, as they say. Burning the candle at both ends. But without you, we are nothing. Without your support, whether it's Defend and Extend Public Housing, whether it's the West Papuan Rent Collective, whether it's whether it's the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations which will be held in Ballarat from 4am to 10pm on uh, Saturday the 3rd of December, you know, whether it's public interest before corporate interest, whether it's the campaigns which are initiated by the Anarchist Institute, whether it's the Tanamuwe Mwabuhina commemorations, we are nothing without your help. And it's good for you. It's good for the community. It's good for everyone. I mean, drag yourself away from that computer. Drag yourself away from the television set. Drag yourself away from that book. Get involved. Get involved now. And if anything you hear on this program you're not interested in, form your own organisation. Form your own group. Get involved. Just standing on a street corner with a sign saying, enough is enough, you know, is a beginning. And that's the dilemma. None of us believe that we can actually win. And we can and we will. Because the history, human history is about people having hope. Hope is the marriage or the love child of desire and expectation, the desire for change and the expectation that change will occur. And all those people who think you've got to do a specific way, things change, people change, ideas change, and we are in that. We have the capacity not only to initiate change but bring positive, egalitarian change to a head to a successful conclusion. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to the Facebook page, Toscana for the Public. You can go to the Pipsy site, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, the Pipsy Facebook page. You can go to Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page. And the list goes on and on. Plenty of things to do, enough to keep you busy and out of mischief. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week via the community radio satellite on your local community radio station. Listen in next week. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Wash my hands. Oh, Lord, yeah.